Hey, I'm Samuel Finlay, and this is my podcast. In this episode, I chat with yoga teacher Madeline Rose Isabella. We talk about her yoga journey and becoming a teacher, developing a meditation practice, finding balance in life, her Italian background, and much more. So, let's get to our conversation. So I'm chatting with Madeline Rose Isabella on the podcast today. Some of you may know her as Madeline Rose Yoga. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Recording this in our little apartment. Um, But I wanted to have Maddie on because she's had a pretty interesting yoga journey, I guess. So let's just kick things off right there. How did your yoga journey begin? Obviously, it's been a long one. Um, So... I'd say short story, but I don't think there really is a short story. So I'm going to give everyone the full version. So I'd say it started probably about five years ago. Um, And they say two things can push you on the path of like a spiritual awakening or journey. Normally it's death, someone close to you or a broken heart. And I had both pretty much at exactly the same time. So a relationship of five years ended And then my nonno passed away pretty much at exactly the same time. I was coming into my final semester of uni, didn't really know where I wanted to go. And I had a one-way ticket to Latin America. So I had obviously a lot going on um, prior and I always enjoyed yoga. So I decided to practice a lot more, started doing the physical yoga. And if you're a yogi and you know this already, you normally start with the physical. And then as you progress, you start to meditate more, you start to breathe, you start to work into different things. So the physical practice was where I found myself at this beginning point. And then when I went um, overseas, I had to deal with a lot of self-esteem issues, um, being with someone for five years and such a young love you kind of lose yourself in that and you don't know who you are because you've lost pretty much all your teenage years. So I really had to learn and figure out who I was, what I liked, um, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. I kind of was cruising through life. Um, I was quite smart and everyone told me I should be super successful and, you know, go into certain pathways because I was smart and, you know, I kept being drawn to yoga. And I remember five years ago telling people that I met overseas saying, I just want to be a yoga teacher. I just want to open up my studio. And it's taken me a while to get there. Um, So that's where that yoga journey really started, especially when I was overseas traveling in Latin America. It's quite a spiritual place. And the people you meet backpacking also share those views. Um, So it was really nice to talk to people who kind of thought the same way as me. And they expanded my mind. And then I had quite a spiritual moment. I was coming towards the end of my trip in Columbia doing a four day trek in the jungle alone and to be alone and doing that was a huge thing for me I was violently sick for the four days but I kept pushing through and at the top of this trek so it was like up a hectic mountain when I got to the top it was a religious um spiritual ground for the Mayans and I pretty much broke down there was a shaman up there um And that was just the beginning of my spiritual journey. Just I pushed myself and I realized that I could do anything. Like I literally had only me there. I didn't know anyone. Um, And I was able to tap into my own power. And I remember someone saying to me, like, you must have incredible parents. The fact that you've pushed through for four days, even though you were sick and did this journey by yourself. And um, I knew when I got home that I would be a different person. 
So I got home. This is a long story. That's good. (laughs) So then I got home and um, unfortunately I fell back into the old patterns as most people do when they come home from overseas. So, you know, you freak out, you haven't got a job um, and those ideas of yoga and following that life kind of go away because you're like, oh, well, how am I going to make money? I just spent four years at uni. I should do something with that. So I got a corporate job my body decided to shut down. I'd put on 15 kilos in about two weeks. Um, My cortisol levels were three times, which is your stress hormone, were three times the normal amount. My skin was just so bad. I just was very unhealthy. Um, It just wasn't a good time, obviously. For me, my body was trying to show me that, that that wasn't the path. And I you know, everything's a lesson. I don't regret anything, but I probably should have listened a little bit more. So eventually I quit that job. Public relations, sorry, was the field I was in. Wasn't for me. Um, And quit that job again and decided to go backpacking again in Latin America for another three months. Once again, finding my spiritual feet, learning who I was, figuring out, you know, traveling really puts you in those, in that space where you have to make decisions for yourself, you have no one there to back you up. And um, and I kind of love that, I love the thrill and meeting like-minded people who are also on a spiritual path. So after I came back from that trip, um, I got another job in corporate, <laughs> in <laughs> PR in Sydney again, thinking, oh, this is a different type of PR, maybe I'll give it another try. Um, and then, like I said at the start, uh, death can bring you back onto that spiritual journey and um, my nonna passed away. So this time was a bit different because I actually had a vision of her um, before she passed and I didn't listen. So it was a bit hard for me then when, she, when I found out that she did pass because I was like, I'm neglecting my intuition, these visions that I might have for a corporate job that I don't like, which is ruining my body because I was struggling with health problems again and things like that. So I resigned from that, got a job in Wollongong thinking maybe that would solve some of my problems, which it didn't. Um, because again, I was still in like a corporate environment fighting for things that I didn't believe in. And this time the universe said, that's it. I've had enough. If you're not going to learn, I'm going to push you to (laughs) to the bottom. Like I am going to make you feel everything and your body cannot function anymore. And then maybe you'll kind of come out of that. This is about the time that. that we met. Yeah. So then we've met, but Sam didn't know any of this stuff was happening. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm having this spiritual awakening and Sam had no idea. Um, so I started seeing a psychologist and a kinesiologist. And I started just trying all these different alternatives, practicing yoga a lot more, really diving into yoga, not just the physical, I started expanding into the meditation, into the breath work. And um, yeah, so my body physically shut down. I couldn't get out of bed. I was having panic attacks all the time, crying constantly. I couldn't get out of the car to go to work. It was quite a traumatizing experience, um, but I met beautiful Sam along (laughs) the way. And now he has hopefully the best version of me. But definitely um, before that, yeah, this is when yoga really started um, to take force. And I remember saying to my psychologist, well, she said to me, why, okay, you're complaining or whatever, but what do you want to do? And I just said, 
I want to be a yoga teacher. And she just responded with, why not? And I was like, oh, because my parents want me to make money or this person said I'd be good, be a good doctor or this. And I, she's like, what, what does that matter? <laughs> like, if you want to be a yoga teacher, just go out and do it because you'll get money. Like things will work out. You just, if you are suffering this much, something's not right. Um, and then I quit my job again. I booked a ticket to Sri Lanka four days later and I was flying off to do my yoga teacher training. I also was enrolled in a master's of sustainability, which I am still doing. But throughout the last year, I've been a yoga teacher and I haven't looked back since and I don't see myself regretting anything or not wanting to do it. Yeah, so it was like, uh, I think basically a month after we met, you booked your ticket to Sri Lanka and did your yoga teacher training. How was that experience? Obviously a pretty intense month. I remember speaking to you and you, you and you were sort of saying that you'd wake up at like 5.30 in the morning, you'd do like this crazy three hour or you know two hour yoga session in the morning then followed by yoga philosophy then you'd have a short break then another yoga training then yin in the evening how was that whole experience looking back on it now I'm like oh I loved it but at the time I think it was challenging and I remember calling you and being like well we just squeezed our butt muscles for (laughs) 20 minutes or something today that was yeah that was part of the practice, not trying to scare you or anything, but um, it was intense, um, rewarding. And I obviously was still struggling with anxiety and things like that before I left. So that was kind of playing, but I left that training a completely different person. To physically demanding, my body was under <laughs> lots of stress from all the practice, but I was very strong by the end of it. And, um, yeah, I had quite a big spiritual awakening there and I didn't sleep one whole night. And, yeah, a lot of things came to me and opened up a lot of doors and I let a lot of my crap go that was stuck attached to me. So, yeah, it was great. So what type of training was that? So I was trained in Yunyasa with uh, Mathieu Baudron. He's a French teacher. He um, splits up a class into, yeah, half an hour or about 20 minutes of yin and then the rest is a normal vinyasa practice. But he's um, an amazing teacher and very focused on yoga philosophy, pranayama, which is breathing and meditation. He's a fabulous singer as well. So we would often do mantra, um, chanting katan at the beach. It was just a really good holistic yoga experience as opposed to just being a physical one but yeah so I left with a yinyasa 200 hour teacher training and how did yoga for you change when you came back after doing that yoga teacher training you know going from someone who would just be going to classes and be listening to the teacher that's in front of you to then have all this knowledge and to be an accredited teacher yourself yeah they kind of told us that once you become a yoga teacher you struggle doing anyone else's class And I definitely found that Um, I love my old yoga teachers and I would still go to a class now. Um, But you end up leaving with this hunger for knowledge and to learn more. And then you realize what sparks you, what, what activates your spiritual energy. So for me, Tantra was at that idea of Tantra was activated. So when I got home, I found a teacher in Melbourne who I was drawn to who practices Tantra meditation and Pranayama. So I made the effort then to go to her training to learn those techniques. 
So when you come home, you kind of, you have a lot of baggage to deal with because you are kind of in a bubble where all you're doing is practicing yoga every day and you're like, yes, yes, yes. The challenge is when you come home to put it into practice. And a lot of people don't become teachers, which is totally fine. Um, But a lot of people that do want to become teachers struggle to make that step once they've come home because it's a different world. Yeah, and I guess how did you approach that? Because you started teaching pretty soon after you got back, you know, covering classes and whatnot. How was that experience in trying to actually get a class? Because I imagine that's something that yoga teachers who have just finished their training might battle with a little bit. I think um, as much as I didn't like public relations, it gave me those skills to be able to reach out to people, to talk, to converse, to network. Uh, I think the first one... um, it was just an Instagram post and someone had sent it to me and I hit the owner up and I covered a class the next week and then they liked me. So I stayed on, um, kept covering and then slowly little by little people would, um, reach out or I'd read out, reach out to them. I think a good thing in Wollongong actually is the teachers are quite connected. So if someone can't cover a class, they'll reach out to you and then you cover their class and vice versa so you're always meeting new people and new owners and new businesses so it's actually quite nice whereas I feel like in other places you might struggle a little bit if you're not the person approaching them then you might not be able to get classes as easily and you mentioned earlier yoga philosophy I know that's something you're very into and you're often reading about um, different philosophies and reading yoga books left right and center what do you sort of enjoy most about that and I guess, what's your sort of take on yoga philosophy? Everything. (laughs) I like it because I was having a think about this in the car. I like it because you never stop learning. Like there's something more you can learn and they don't try and put yoga philosophy doesn't really put a barrier on what you can think about. It actually opens you up to think about everything. It's not like this is what we believe in and you follow that. It's kind of like, well, this is some core elements that happen and then you take your interpretation of that and see where that takes you and you might have a different meaning. And so when you start to read yoga philosophy more and more, especially with mythology and the gods, like last night we did a meditation on um, Lord Ganesh, it's, they represent fundamental characters in mythology that have been there for centuries and it's not just in yoga, it's in Christianity it's in Greek mythology it's in Roman mythology like it's everywhere but everyone's just been manifesting it in a different way for centuries now yoga to me makes the most sense on how we interpret the world and that's why I like it because it's never made much sense to me but slowly (laughs) yoga is making the world make sense (laughs) what about meditation because that's obviously a part of yoga was your meditation practice always there when you started yoga or is that something that's really developed and evolved over time? That's only something that's developed for me over um, recent history. I honestly will say I didn't have a meditation practice before. I was, like I said, more the physical practice. Maybe I would do 10 minutes here and there. Um, When we met, I was doing some pretty crazy meditations, like really exploring um, I remember my, <laughs> my sister said to me, she goes, if you ever tell a guy how crazy your meditations are and he accepts that, then that's the guy for you. <laughs> and we had just met, I think we we're going on our f- first or even second date. And I was like, I'm going to try it. 
I'm going to say what my meditation was. And if he doesn't flinch or get scared, then maybe he's all right. And mind you, this meditation was um, into the underworld with shamans and um, animal magic and meeting my spirit animals and ancestors. And my body was convulsing and shaking for like 20 minutes. And this is what I had to express to Sam on our date. <laughs> he seemed fine. We may have, may have been a few wines deep though. <laughs> that was an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and we're still here today. So yeah, it worked out. <laughs> So what does your current meditation practice look like? I mean, you know, we obviously live together and I sort of know it somewhat, but for those listening, can you explain your sort of process? Mm -hmm. Um, I just completed a four-week course in um, an Ayurveda, which is an ancient um, Indian healing science practice, um, which was focused a lot on implementing a strong meditation practice which like I've said for the last six months it's been an everyday thing but before that a bit more sporadic so um Vedic meditation is what I've been working with so repetition of a mantra so at the moment I'm working with Soham which is quite a basic I got my little rabbit finger ear things (laughs) basic meditation which is I am that So for 20 minutes in the morning, I repeat, I am that, I am that, I am that, I am that. And then for one minute at the end, I just let that mantra absorb into the body. I was also doing that in the afternoon, um, but I've been trying to do a bit few other things. I was doing yoga nidra at night time, did one last night. So afternoon time, I kind of like to experiment with a few different types of meditation, whereas the morning one, it's that 20 minutes of Vedic meditation. And you've also been doing online meditations just on Instagram. How's that been so far? I've been tuning in. They've been great. You've been asleep? No. Well, that's true. Actually, you have been putting me to sleep. Last <laughs> night you did. I was KO'd after about two minutes of the meditation. Yeah. Yeah. If you want your boyfriends to go to sleep, just start putting them onto a meditation. Um, I've been loving it. Um like most things, I didn't expect that I'd love yoga teaching. I didn't expect that I'd love meditation. I didn't expect that I'd love teaching meditation. I think for me, I love it because I get to use all that knowledge from philosophy and mythology and things that have happened in my day and the um, how I read people's energy. I get to bring that into practice where sometimes in the physical asana practice, you're very limited because you're focusing on put your right foot forward, blah, blah, blah. You don't get that chance to really incorporate yoga stuff into the practice. So I guess for those people listening, if you had to give some tips or advice for someone who has never meditated before and, you know, maybe is a little bit unsure about it all, what would you sort of say? How's How's a good way to begin a practice? The best way is start slowly. So you're meant to, yoga is designed that you do your asana, your physical practice first. The purpose of an asana, your physical practice is to open you up so your muscles are ready to be able to sit in meditation for a long period of time. So the movement of the body gets you out of your mind and into the body. So then your hips are nice and open, your arms are nice and open, your back is nice and lengthened, you've prepared your body. Then you have pranayama, so breath work. That helps you drop in. So you're using the breath to start to bring your attention to your body. body. 
Then you do, then you meditate. So the meditation is then your body's nice and open. Your minds become still because you're breathing. You're just you and your breath. And then you're able to sit there and meditate for a long period of time. Obviously, this is not how we're not all yogis sitting in a cave meditating for hours on end. So I would recommend start by laying down. Our bodies are not strong enough to sit up. We haven't trained ourselves to be able to sit in a cross-legged position yet because the way we sit on chairs, we haven't trained our body. So you can start by laying down, then work up to sitting. Once you've been sitting, you can sit for five minutes. I normally go in maybe five-minute increments, like a five-minute meditation, 10-minute meditation, 15, and keep building it up. Then you can play around with simple meditations, like just focusing on the breath a little bit more, then mantra, and then you can go transcendental. I can't even say that word properly, but then you can start expanding into different environments with the consciousness. So it's just a work in progress like most things and people get turned off because like, oh, I couldn't meditate for 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, because your body doesn't know how to sit anymore. You haven't got the strength in your back to hold you up. You haven't got the concentration on the focus. It's practice. You have to train yourself constantly. Yeah, and that's a bit like myself. Like I fall in and out of, you know, go through weeks where I'm really consistent with the meditation practice and then not so consistent. But I think that's a thing like, I can only really meditate for five or 10 minutes. I can't really push it further than I'd like to. But if I try to push it out further than, you know, five or 10 minute meditation practice, it won't be something I can consistently keep up. So I think that's a good point, sort of keeping it to, you know, five or 10 minute practice to begin with until you, you know, really delve into it and I guess get used to that length then maybe trying for a longer practice and, you know, then maybe trying to sit up um, with your back lengthened rather than you know laying down or laying against a wall or something like that yeah totally and you can sit up against the lounge you can you know you, there are modifications sit on a pillow you know we're not so kind to our bodies anymore so you need to accommodate for that you can't just be able you can't just sit anymore you have to train your body to be able to sit which I think a lot of people don't understand or haven't been told but that's what happens so, you know, I, I mentioned there your online meditations and that's sort of been something that, you know, due to COVID-19, I guess the fitness industry, the yoga industry has moved online and you've been teaching classes online as well. How have you found that adjustment? It's been interesting. I do, I'm not going to say I hate it. I've talked to a lot of yoga teachers that say they hate it, but <laughs> I don't mind it. It's challenging me. It um, makes me think outside the box, like oh, I can't do this pose because they can't understand it or because they can't see me properly on the screen. You kind of just have to think of those things. Um, and I did a recording for Ghetto Movement um, for an online platform and that, was, that wasn't live. That was a proper recording session and I really enjoyed it and I was surprised at how much I loved doing it. But, yeah, it's just different and the thing I struggle with the most is I actually – don't plan my classes too much. I um, go on the energy of the room. So if I'm feeling that people aren't wanting to be pushed as hard, I will just change my class to accommodate for their energy. But with a screen, it's a lot harder to be able to feel their energy and get that response. So that's the most challenging part for me. But overall, I think it's challenging me in all the right ways. And I can't, yeah, I can't wait to get back in front of people. But for now, it's fine. 
So sort of speaking on that same sort of point, I guess, do you think the yoga world going forward is going to drastically change because we've had this push online? I just don't know. I, yeah, I've had a few discussions with yoga owners and everyone's kind of like, I, no one knows where it's going to go. I think yoga has such a nice community People go to their studio, it's a family, and people won't – I don't think they won't – will give that up, which is nice because I don't think they should. And, again, it's different learning from someone in front on a screen than being in person with them. You can't really ask them questions. You can't get that one-on-one interaction. So I think for some who are really busy and maybe they've picked up a practice while they've been at home, they'll stay, but I think a lot of people will go back to the yoga studios. Now, something I want to speak to you about is, I guess, finding balance in life because I know that, like, I feel like you've got pretty good balance in your life. Like, you're obviously very spiritual into yoga, into meditation, into, you know, tarot reading and all sorts of things like that, but yet you're still happy to go out and have a drink. You know, you still drink caffeine, you know, you're still happy to have a pizza on a Friday night with me because that's something I like to do a lot. (laughs) Um, I guess, how do you find balance in life as a yoga teacher? I think that's one thing yoga makes hard because there are a lot of rules in place that are like, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. And for someone like me, that's quite stressful because I'm a perfectionist and I want to be perfect all the time. So being like, oh, but yoga told me I can't eat meat. Yoga told me this, yoga told me that. I get quite overwhelmed. So I've had to kind of shut that out and be like, what actually works for me? And you can't just follow one thing. I'm a big believer of being holistic and taking little elements from everything. If it's yoga, if it's Ayurveda, if it's traditional Chinese medicine, if it's the branch, all different branches of yoga, I kind of incorporate everything. And at some point in your life, and the autobiography of a yogi, if you haven't read that, is an amazing book. Because he's a yogi, a swami, And he went to America and he just said, oh, I'd love to live in the Himalayas in a cave meditating all day, but I know for that, this life, that's not what my role is. My role is to be in America to teach the West. And he has accommodated for that in his life. So I kind of have that outlook. I'm born in Wollongong. I have amazing friends. I love food. I need to create a balance with the life that I have and stop wishing I had a life where... I didn't have all these things in that. Nice. And I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. And you, you also come from an Italian background and I know there's like all sorts of like um, practices from like um, uh, Italian um, like history and roots and stuff. And that's something you fall back on as well. Like, you know, when you're sick, you'll make brodo. Uh, could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so... I don't really know where my passion for my heritage, I'm a history nerd one. I've always kind of had a passion for my heritage, but when my family migrated to Australia, that kind of history was lost. My parents, you know, had to assimilate. Um, They were often bullied for being Italian. So they kind of neglected their roots to be more Australian. Whereas now our generations come through and we're trying to embrace the Italian part of our heritage. So I bought a book recently in London that 
um, was about Italian witchcraft um, and folklore, which is incredible because it was all these things my grandparents used to do that was normal to me, not normal to an Australian, for example, but now I understand the meaning. So brodo is something I've loved my whole life. It's pretty much just a vegetable broth. My mum, every time I was sad, she would make it for me. Even now, she'll still make it for me if I'm sad. Um, and then I read this book and it was like, you can cure any disease with brodo. If someone's sick, just give them brodo. And it was just something that I've, you know, always had in my life or my grandma would come and throw salt over me and I'd be like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm warding <laughs> off the evil spirits and protecting you. And Italians would spit the bad energy over their shoulder if they met ran into someone they didn't like, which my nonna would often do. So, yeah, I just try and embrace it now because I find it funny and especially, you know, they had such a hard life moving here, no family, no friends, nothing, and they had to, you know, work on these traditions themselves and keep them sacred. I guess, how do you think that um, sort of upbringing has um, built, built your character? Most people wouldn't be able to say this, but just damn hard workers. Um, anyone that has, yeah, grandparents, most of my friends are Italian as well. Their grandparents came here too. And our parents are just such hard workers. They had nothing, <laughs> literally nothing. My grandma worked till she was 76 or whatever. They had to support themselves. Um, so I've seen my parents work incredibly, incredibly hard. And then that's just put that into me. But in saying that, I do work hard. But I, they have created that life so now I can follow my passions and, you know, pursue 20 different careers, which I have done in my 26 years of living. <laughs> and you can also make some delicious pasta. Yeah, I can eat well too. <laughs> uh, earlier on, I mentioned tarot reading. I want to know a little bit about your interest in that because I know that's something that you do frequently. I've done it with you and I find it pretty fun. Um, I was the mountain lion last time mm. you read my cards, which I was very stoked about. How did you get into tarot reading? Because I guess that's kind of in this sort of world of um, spirituality. Yeah, I, like I was saying before, I'm a bit weird. I just try everything. And what doesn't work for me, I just kind of like throw it aside and then keep following the things that interest me. So tarot started, I wasn't very... As I was growing up, I wasn't much into psychics and things like that. My mum and my sister were, however, but I just kind of didn't indulge. Um, after my breakup and the death of my nonna, nonna sorry, um, I went to a psychic for the first time and nothing she said was true or came true, whatever you want to say, but she instilled something in me. It was hope that I would be okay, everything's fine, you've got a future ahead. And she said everything that I needed to hear, right or wrong, she said what I needed to hear. Since then I went to another psychic, she was quite good. And then that kind of sparked my interest and when I went to Latin America, I was meeting people that, you know, relished in this lifestyle, which none of my friends did here. And so I met people with um, animal cards. So I've always been really interested in shamanism. So the animal cards is based on shaman medicine. So I started playing around with shamanism and animal cards. Um, and I thought they were quite relatable as your card was. They're just very, this is the animal that you've got today, the energy that's in you, 
this is what you can do to write the energy or you can keep following the path. Like I think it was very straightforward. And then slowly through time I've experienced, like explored with um, angel cards and normal traditional tarot and I quite like it. It's fun. <laughs> and star signs as well, something that you're very passionate about. And luckily our star signs align. We're compatible, everyone. It's compatible. okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're together forever now. I think that's one of the first things you asked me on our first dates. <laughs> yeah, because I was worried that you were some other star sign that I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you're studying a master of sustainability. Could you speak to us about your passion for that? So I think for me, um, so I used to think I could talk to fish and I think that's where it all came from. I was obsessed with the ocean, animals in the ocean. Um, I was a water baby, always swimming. And then I was like, oh, marine biology, but then kind of didn't pursue that, obviously. And um, it's a one thing that remained constant. I remember as a kid, I'd walk past a bus and hold my breath because I was so scared of the pollution that was coming out of the bus. And like now I, now where I am in my time, I look back and I'm like, oh, that made sense that I ended up on this path. But at the time I just thought that was normal. Oh, sorry. And then when I went overseas, um, just I was really quite upset by how much plastic was in the ocean and the pollution and you know, the level of poverty that there was. And I remember saying in Colombia, I was like, oh, look at all this rubbish. Like, don't they know that this is really bad for the environment? And this Colombian turns to me and he's like, why would they care about that? He's like, all they care about is putting food on the table for their family. Like the plastic or whatever is the last of their problems. They just, they don't even have enough money to feed their family. And that kind of was a slap across the face um, and made me, change my perspective on that whole area because how can we fix these issues if there's such underlying problems and that's where it kind of started and then from there I've been passionate about learning about the environment I love indigenous protection um, done a lot of projects on like ayahuasca and plant medicine and all that sort of stuff I guess that's kind of the one good thing about COVID-19 <laughs> is the environment's been able to take a little bit of a break from all the mileage from travel and uh, carbon emissions and whatnot. Yeah, I'm not going to go into my <laughs> rant, but <laughs> it links back to yoga philosophy, which I love, and it's ahimsa, non-violence. Like if we just look after ourselves, the capitalist society that we find ourselves in is not working. Something needs to change. Hopefully COVID was kind of an indicator of, oh, okay, yeah, people can work from home, more community-based things and stuff. So, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I feel changed. like there's going to be a shift when we get through this whole COVID situation. I hope so anyway. Yeah, me too. We mentioned your meditation practice earlier on, but I just want to ask you, and I obviously know it because I live with you, but about your morning routine. What does that look like? So, because I know you do a few things. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're yeah too many things. Maybe you're embarrassed, but I'm a big advocate for this. But Sam and I will wake up extra early. Um, we like to cuddle before we do anything, and I think that's a perfect way to start the day. You just connect with each other before the day's even begun. You're like, oh, cool, we're actually spending quality time together without even moving or do, trying to do anything. Then 
depending on what day it is. We normally go for a swim down the beach. And if you've come to my meditations, I talk about sattva, so that um, idea of bliss. And normally my swim is where I find that bliss, the water glistening on top of the ocean. That's where I'm happiest. And then we walk back to our place. We, while I'm waiting for my coffee to be brewed by Sam, (laughs) (laughs) I engage with half of my activities in the morning. So I do, sometimes I normally just do a quick sun salutation to warm up my body so I'm able to sit in meditation. I'll do some breath work, sometimes Nali Kriya, sometimes Nadi Shorana, normally Kapalbati as well. Sorry, Google all these if you don't know what they are. <laughs> um, and then I will sit in meditation for my 20 minutes. When I come out of my meditation, we enjoy a beautiful coffee together. We say three things we're grateful for and we read a few chapters of our books together. And then once Sam goes to work, I procrastinate and don't do uni work. So I normally <laughs> do a yoga practice if I can, if I am not haven't got a sore neck. And I've been doing some Ayurveda practices as well, like tongue scraping, oil pulling, oil self-massage, dry brushing. I've, I've tried all these practices, obviously with COVID, I've had a bit more spare time on my hands, but that's my normal morning. So how about future plans for maybe after COVID-19 when we get through this for yourself and for your yoga career, I guess? I'm coming into my last semester of uni, I think. I would like to keep yoga teaching. Um, I want to start a few workshops. I think Wollongong's lacking in yoga philosophy workshops um, and workshops on digestion and women's health. So I'm quite passionate about women's health, just suffering from my own issues. And mo- um, a lot of my friends also having the same problems and not getting assistance from normal Western medicine. So I'd like to do a few workshops like that. I'm enjoying meditation. So maybe starting up some meditation classes. Um, and then hopefully next year I'm starting acupuncture, which is another spanner in the works. Yeah, that's exciting. So what sort of draws you towards doing acupuncture? Um, I just talking about my Italian heritage, my grandma recently passed away. Sorry, it's also passings of loved ones. Um, but my mum was talking a lot. My family was actually the traditional kind of healers of the town, the local acupuncturists, the chiropractors, cupping, all that sort of stuff. And they had no formal training. So I just started being inspired by those sort of stories and wanting to offer my yoga students a more holistic process. Just a one hour in a physical yoga class just isn't enough for me. It's a lifestyle change. It's many of things. And I think acupuncture is a really good way for me to sit someone down, figure out what what is going on and working with them on a physical level, on a mental level, spiritual level and kind of combining it all together. Watch this space. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just to sort of bring the podcast to an end, wondering if there's maybe a book or a podcast you could recommend to the listeners, um, particularly during these times where we're stuck at home for the majority of our days. Book, Autobiography of a Yogi, highly recommend. It wouldn't even, I don't know, it combines spirituality, religion, yoga, life, it's just everything and it's a book that every 
he, Sam knows, I'll literally be giggling to myself at the table or I'm like, <laughs> true. aha moments. Like every page, it's like, a, oh, that makes so much sense about the universe. So I definitely recommend that. Podcast. I'm not really a big podcast person. When I go for walks, I kind of listen to nature. Sam's podcast, obviously, <laughs> the three that he <laughs> has. Um, the Juliet Allen, she's for the girls listening. Guys too, actually. I highly recommend for guys. She's a sexologist. She just talks about relationships and more so about communication, like communicating things in your relationships. Um, she's quite incredible. So I listen to her podcast a bit too. So before we finish up, where can people find you? Where can they tune in to your online meditations? Mostly Instagram. So at Madeline Rose Yoga. Madeline is spelt M-A-D-D-A-L-E-N. It's spelt weird. Um, obviously on Facebook, website, and I've got a meditation up on YouTube at the moment as well. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. It's been fun to have a chat. It's been a little bit weird uh, podcasting with my girlfriend, but nonetheless, it's been really fun. So great. thanks for jumping on the podcast. Thanks. Had a blast. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For more episodes like this one, be sure to subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts.